Hello, and welcome to another Veterinary Team Training Podcast. My name is Amy Newfield. I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. And also, don't forget, I just recently launched this year in 2023, actually about six months ago, an online continuing education platform. In fact, it is the cheapest online continuing education platform. So go check it out, vetteamtraining.com. Easy to remember. Okay, so this is a podcast actually for anyone who's ever provided feedback to any human being on the planet. So while I know that this title did pick on managers, I also want to say that anyone listening to this who's ever provided feedback where it's gone astray, this podcast is for you. Now, I picked on managers for the obvious reasons, that when we're talking about leadership and culture-based issues in our hospital, we largely look at the leader for providing feedback to the team members. So whether you be a supervisor, an administrator, or a manager, whatever your title is, if you're in a leadership role, at some point you're going to probably provide some feedback to the members on your team. And unfortunately, I am tired of really bad, non-usable feedback being provided from managers to their team members. I'm just going to say it. It's shitty feedback. You're giving really shitty feedback. And the problem is that the receiver of this feedback doesn't know exactly what you want or how to even correct a behavior or how to pivot and do something completely different because the feedback that was given was so poor, they're left confused. And if you've ever been the receiver of bad feedback, not negative feedback, that's different, just bad, unconstructed, undirected, just confusing feedback, you know that doesn't feel very good. You're left going, how am I supposed to fix a problem when I don't even understand the feedback that was given? So let me provide some examples because I do a lot of consulting work and in my consulting work, I come across mostly managers, mostly supervisors, but every so often I have a veterinarian who just wants to get along better in their team or a veterinary technician or a veterinary assistant who wants to grow their leadership skills or who is also struggling with a culture-based issue and who really just wants to hone in on their own emotional intelligence skills. And they use me for picking my brain or to solve actual issues or to actually grow their culture, their leadership, their communication skills, anything like that. And for whatever reason, particularly, I feel like things come in waves, right? I, I, I know you guys feel the same way. You know, if you get two blocked cats into your hospital, you're waiting for the third. So even if I'm not in a hospital and I'm doing consulting work, I can guarantee you things come in waves. And right now the wave is bad feedback. I have a lot of very frustrated employees or even managers who receive feedback from their team members. And honestly, they're just confused because it was such poorly given feedback. They really don't know how they can help this person or help solve the problem. So what are some of the examples I've been hearing lately? Okay, they're pretty atrocious on the surface level. So not knowing the context, not knowing anything that's going on. Here are some of the feedback that employees have been told by managers that they're coming to me going, I want to solve this problem, but I don't know even where to start. One of my favorites, you're not a people person. What does that mean? You're not a people person. This was actually told to an employee by their manager when they failed to get a promotion. 
you're not a people person. We just don't really think you're as much of a people person as this other person, and that's why they got the promotion. Confusing, right? Do not understand what that means. At this time, your skills are just not meeting our expectations, so that's why you didn't get the raise, okay? What, what does that mean, <laughs> Meeting, not meeting expectations? Am I failing at math? Am I failing at anesthesia? What does, is it all my skills? Like, what does this even mean? You need to be more of a team player. I'm sorry. I know that this one is said an awful lot, but what the hell does that mean? What defines a team player? What traits or characteristics define a team player? And which one specifically is the employee failing with? Just not being a team player, that's really hard to fix because it's such an obscure statement. Here's a couple others that I've heard recently. On our culture-based scale, you only ranked a six out of 10. We actually need you to be like a nine out of 10 if you wanna move into a leadership role. I'm sorry, now we have a point scale system. Is there a rubric with that? And exactly how is culture defined? What does that look like? I'm very confused. So we're now grading people on their culture. Do we have like it in a little notebook? That one was very confusing to me. Here's a couple others I've heard recently. The team feels like they have to walk on eggshells around you. Oh, that one hits hard, right? The team feels like they need to walk on eggshells around you. What does that mean and what am I supposed to do with this information? That's a big one, right? That is definitely a big one. That's that's a hard one because, you know, ultimately it could mean a lot of things. And this last one was said to a veterinarian. The clients are really struggling with you. Okay. That's a lot too, right? And like that's a that's a lot of feedback right there in that one sentence. The clients are really struggling with you. So let's break down what feedback is, okay? So we, since the dawn of time, like to provide feedback. We provide feedback to each other to help coach, mentor, guide, get people to do things a certain way, come together as a group. Ultimately, feedback is designed as an opinion, right? I have an opinion of what I think you need to do differently or better, and maybe there is a right versus wrong. Like when you come up to an intersection and you don't put on your turn signal, and I say to the driver, because I'm sitting in the passenger seat, you know, you didn't put on your turn signal. Next time it would be great if you put on your turn signal. That person's receiving feedback. Yes, clearly they should have put on their turn signal, but I'm still providing feedback. So largely people deliver feedback in one of two ways, and it's very, both ways are very unhealthy. So here we go. The first way is you're just too direct. Now, for those people who like being direct, sometimes they hear, well, it's just who I am. Nope. You change your personality and you change who you are when you talk to different people throughout the day. How you talk to a client is very different than a complete stranger at a food store or it very different than your family member or a friend. And so the way that I communicate with different people throughout my day, I'm going to bend, I'm going to flex, and I'm going to change my communication style to meet me and also the actual situation that's occurring. So we have to recognize that it's not just who you are. We, Even if you're a direct person, you can learn to be a little bit less direct. The problem with being direct is, yes, you are going to get your point across, but you're probably going to offend a lot of people. And then the other way that people oftentimes deliver feedback is 
indirectly and too soft. And it becomes confusing. And in fact, the receiver may not even be aware that they're actually receiving the feedback. And regardless, the way that we go ahead and deliver this feedback, let's just say you're super direct or you're super indirect, the receiver has many ways that they can go ahead and receive this. Now, usually there's two ways that the receiver gets this information. You have your amygdala. Your amygdala basically is your flight or fight response. And throughout in the entire day, it's constantly scanning for dangers and threats. Well, feedback is a danger or a threat. And this is you know, something that has been studied by psychologists for many decades. There's a lot of heavy research into it. And so in order to do this podcast, I did dive into the rabbit hole of amygdala, flight or fight, how we receive feedback. And there's some really cool science out there. I, I have to tell you, I really geeked out on it. So here's the thing about your amygdala. When it starts to hear feedback happening, it's going to do one of two things. It is going to either fight or it will flee. Now, we can change that. We can get our amygdala a little bit more comfortable with receiving feedback. And a lot of that is through what I like to call an emotional intelligence journey. So it's really important to recognize how you deliver the feedback, but also how you receive the feedback. Now, Unfortunately, human beings are very flawed species. I mean, we just are. We mean well, but we just communicate very poorly together. Often, I think it would be a lot easier to be a dog or a cat, you know, so long as you had a really nice owner. Just for a day, just to live in the here and now and not worry about all the extraneous conversations and things like that. So we're not dogs and cats. We're people. And unfortunately, we do need to communicate every single day with each other. So when I give feedback to somebody, a lot of times what happens is that person may get defensive. And then what does that do to my amygdala? Now they get defensive. My amygdala, you know, as the person providing the feedback goes, oh my gosh, this person is now becoming argumentative. So what does my amygdala decide to do? It either fights or flights, right? So now I potentially am fighting back. They're fighting back. It just ends up confusing the whole thing. So let's break down the healthy way to deliver feedback because managers or any human being on the planet This podcast is for you. How you talk to each other and how you provide feedback is very important. And if you're a manager and you're struggling with a particular individual doing something that's not ideal, well, then this is definitely for you. How do you shape that person so that they can receive the feedback and it's good feedback? Okay, so the first step that we need to do is prime the brain with a question. And that question is basically a soft yes. And it's to say, hey, feedback is coming your way. So you're going to prime the amygdala by giving a question that's going to hopefully give you a yes. I also like to call this part getting permission to provide feedback. It goes something like this. Do you have five minutes to talk about something that happened yesterday? Or do you have about 15 minutes to chat about a concern I have? Or do you have like some time at some point today to chat about something? So this primes your amygdala. It says, oh my goodness, this person has a problem or a concern and they would like to talk to me about it right? So that gives your brain some time to process rather than me just walk up to you and say, Amy, you have been late again. Please stop, 
okay, you just slammed a whole bunch of feedback into my, I now my amygdala is screaming at me going, do I defend this? And then defense sometimes sounds like this. Well, I've been late because I have 500 children. I've got 200 cats and 300 horses in a field. And there's absolutely no way I can take care of all of that and be on work on time. And you know that because I'm the only one taking care of everybody. Or you know I was late because I had a flat tire. Or you know I was late because of X, Y, and Z. So now I'm defending it with truths and or lies or a mixture of both because sometimes it's an exaggerated truth, right? So what that looks like is I'm now defending or I flee and you've just said, hey, Amy, you've been late. I need you to stop. Okay, that's very direct feedback. And my brain goes, okay, I'll try harder. Did that really improve my behavior? Probably not. So again, first part, prime the amygdala. Do you have a moment? I would like to talk to you about something. Can I talk to you about something? Can I share with you X, Y, and Z? So you're priming the brain to say, I am going to give you feedback. Get permission. Here's the thing. When the person says yes, the brain is accepting that. You know, correct, most people are going to say yes because they're curious as to what you said. But in reality, you asked a yes or no question, meaning if they didn't have time right then, they could say, ooh, Right now is not a great time. Can I come see you later on today? Or is this going to be a big deal? And if it is, can we talk about it in the at the end of the day, right? So you've given their brain the ability to say no, not right now, or to put it off, or to have a conversation about when to talk about it. So again, the first part is just get permission to provide feedback. Managers, this is super important. This is step number one. So now hopefully this person is prepared to receive your feedback. Now this is the most important part, arguably. We've primed the amygdala, the amygdala is prepared to receive feedback. Here's the thing, you now need to give very specific feedback, not that shitty kind of feedback we were talking about before. When we give obscure feedback, that's just bad criticism. We can't do anything with it. And some people call it blurring the feedback. I just call it bad feedback because that's what it is. You're not blurring anything. You're just giving terrible feedback. And the only thing that someone can do about terrible feedback is overanalyze, overthink, and have massive anxiety about it. So for example, Let's just say you decided to say to me, Amy, you're not really a team player. Okay, those are definitely obscure. I can't do anything with that. I don't know any details. Okay, so all I'm going to do is worry about it. Well, who says I'm not a team player? How am I not a team player? Does the whole team think I'm not a team player, right? Because that's where our brains go. So instead, write down, by the way, I'm going to pause. I want you to write down what you're going to say to this person. And that includes coworkers. Listen, if you are coaching someone, if you're mentoring someone, if you have a brand new employee and you see that person bobble, or maybe they just do it in a way that you don't fully understand, they do something that's a little bit different for a task, just think about what you're going to say before you say it. I probably should repeat that because it's super important. It's something I always need to listen to as well. Think about what you're going to say before you actually say it. And it never hurts to write it down. Managers, write down exactly what you want to say to your employee so that you give good feedback and not garbage feedback because employees are getting some real bad feedback they can do nothing with. 
So, okay, you say to me, Amy, you're not really a team player. Very obscure. I'm just going to freak out about it. I don't know what that means. I'm probably going to go on a witch hunt. I'm probably going to go out onto the clinic floor. I'm going to start polling people. Who said I wasn't a team member? Who who said I have an issue? Who is against me? What does that look like? When did they report this to the manager? Is it just the manager who feels this way? And that's where the gossip goes on and on. Instead, Amy, do you have a minute? I just, I want to talk to you about something and it shouldn't take too long but it's a concern that I have. Ooh, yes, I do want to talk to you. I'm finishing up a patient. Can I come see you after? Yeah, not a problem. Come see me as soon as you're done with that patient's treatments. Okay, thanks. Now I'm worried. Now I'm anxious. You sit me down. You say, Amy, first of all, this is really difficult for me to share because I know that you might take this to heart, but I want to work with you and I want to hear your thoughts on this feedback that I'm about to give you. Okay, we've really prepped the amygdala. What is the feedback? You know, sometimes when we have a new person in the hospital, you don't tend to show them new skills or allow them to work on harder patients. You tend to kind of take the more critical patients for yourself and you don't really want to share your skill or knowledge with other people. And unfortunately, it comes across as you not being a team player. Wow. That is completely different feedback. I can do something with that. You have very specifically told me that I am hoarding my own knowledge. And when it comes to particularly new employees, I'm not willing to share or help or coach them with new skills and knowledge. And when it comes to critical cases, I don't want anybody helping me, but people want to learn from me. That's what you just said. I can actually help to resolve this issue because that means your perception of me not being a team member is because I am not helping to mentor and coach and train other people. I can solve that problem because of your specific good criticism. So the problem is, is that a lot of times we aren't specific enough. And here's the irony to that. I hear a lot of managers saying, don't come to me with a problem unless you have a solution. First of all, if your employees are coming to you without solutions, it's because they have a problem. If they had their own solution, they'd probably solve their own problem. So please don't say that to your employees because that just shuts them out of your life and they don't come to you at all and then they just gossip and do terrible things on the clinic floor um, and they're negative and things like that. So don't do that. Don't say that. But ironically, I hear a lot of that from managers. Like, I'm so tired of them coming to me. I say, you come back to me when you have a solution. Well, what you're basically saying is you're providing me obscure feedback. You're giving me uh, negative criticism, and I can't figure out what to do with that. So the better thing to say to your employee is, okay, talk to me about why you think Sarah is a jerk or why you think Kyle shouldn't work here. Or talk to me why you feel management isn't supporting you. What does that mean? Because all those things, we can't do anything with the statements I just made. Management isn't supporting you. What what does that mean? In your schedule, in your salary, in your benefits, in your work-life balance, in your mental health, in your patient-nurse ratios. Like, what does this look like? It's so obscure. I can't fix anything. So instead of saying, don't come to me with a problem unless you have a solution, you're actually saying, hey, I need you to provide good criticism and not 
bad, destructive criticism. And there is a difference between the two. Okay, so at this point, we've primed the amygdala. We got a yes response. Hey, I do want to hear feedback from you. Uh, you provided very specific feedback. We're not done yet. We're not done yet in the feedback delivery. There's actually two more steps. So here goes. You now also need to make sure that they understand why your feedback is important that you're talking about it. And this is what's called the data point, right? So why is what I'm saying important to you? Let's go back to the turn signal. Next time when you turn, could you please put on a turn signal? Okay, that is very specific feedback, but there's no reason and there's no explanation as to why I'm giving that feedback. This is important. You gotta give the data point as to why I'm delivering. Why is it important for me to tell you this? Because oncoming traffic doesn't know you're turning and we could have been in an accident. Boom. That's how you deliver feedback. So going back to Amy not being a team player. Amy, I want to talk to you. Is this okay? Do you have time? Yes, I do. Sit me down. You say, hey, Amy, we're really struggling because when we have very critical cases, we notice that you keep them to yourselves. And especially with new employees, you don't tend to share as much information or your knowledge. And unfortunately, this sometimes makes you seem like you're not very much a team player. And here is the next part of that. The team really wants to learn from you and we're short staffed. We really do need you to share your knowledge and help grow the team. In fact, it's in your job description to help educate people of lower skill levels. And we just don't see you doing that. Wow. Okay. So now you've given me the why you're giving me this feedback. So why do you care about this feedback? Why is it important to you? And that is part three, because it needs to go along with the very specific, what I see you doing wrong or not correctly, or I want you to do something differently, but also why I care, right? Why I care is important because if I didn't really care about you training other people, I wouldn't bring it up. But instead I care because we're short staffed, you're super smart and I need you to help me out. And that is why I'm bringing you this feedback, right? So it is very important that the third part of this is again, explaining why I'm giving the feedback, not just do it. You know, this is parents. You guys know, you can't just explain, just do this this way. At some point, your kid will start saying, but why, but why, but why, but why? This is that part of the feedback, but why? You have to give them the why part, okay? Why is this feedback important to you? And now there's a fourth and very final but important part of the feedback system. You need to ask for their opinion. This is really important. Whenever you provide feedback, the receiver's brain automatically, it's very primal, it freaks out or it wants to flee, it wants to not be there. Very few people are okay with getting any semblance of feedback. So at the end of your feedback message, you need to turn to the person and say, what do you think about what I just said? Or what do you think about this plan? Or I have a plan and I'm thinking X, Y, and Z. What do you think about it? And you need to allow them to talk. And this is where leaders and just, again, human beings in general, forget this very important step. So for the child who's constantly saying why, and you provide the feedback and you explain the why, 
at the end of it, you can say to your child, well, what do you think about this? Now, don't get me wrong. A five or six-year-old isn't going to have the emotional intelligence to dive into their feelings and emotions and provide you probably a very sufficient response. Instead, they're probably going to say, because I really love unicorns and candy and I want the candy because I want it. Okay, sure. I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? That's where we're at. But for everybody else, the asking of the how you're doing or asking what you think of the feedback allows that person to decompress and also say what they're feeling and what they're doing. This is part of communication, and it's the part that we forget about. We provide the feedback and we pat ourselves on the back as managers. We say to the employee, you need to stop gossiping, stop being negative, and we think that's it. That's all we need to do. But in actuality, the person who's going to make the change is the person who needs to provide you some commentary at the end of the feedback. And that person is pinnacle. In fact, it is the person to change the behavior or change the situation because that's why you're providing the feedback. So in case of the turn signal, again, not a big deal. You know, so you explain, hey, when you go to the intersection, yada, yada, turn signal because we want to avoid an accident. What do you think about this? Yeah, I get it. I'm sorry. I forgot to put on the turn signal, right? That's probably going to be the response because, again, nobody's probably going to have a huge feedback conversation over a turn signal. But when we're diving into more complex things like Amy not being a team player because she's hoarding all of her knowledge, we can stop at the end of that and say, what do you think about this, Amy? What do you think about you in terms of training other people? I want to hear from you. Let's talk about this. This is really important because now this opens up to what is called communication. And this now changes behavior patterns. When we just tell people don't do it, that's not going to solve the problem. Instead, we have to work on real tangible solutions and real tangible outcomes. And unfortunately, when we just say you suck or don't do this, we don't really ask the other person's opinion and therefore they're really not going to change. So let's go back to some of these examples that we talked about in the very beginning of this podcast. For example, you're not a people person. I don't even know what the hell that means. You know, when this person said that to me, I thought, my goodness, that is some of the worst feedback I've heard in a long time. But again, it's a run of bad feedback. I literally just had one yesterday on a call and I just paused and I said, I'm not laughing about the situation. I'm laughing because you're probably the third call within the last week where there's some obscure feedback given to you that you can do nothing about. And if you do get that obscure, terrible criticism and it's not going to help benefit you at all, I want you to take it into a little ball and throw it away. You can't do anything about it. All your brain is going to do is worry have anxiety, think about other people, find threats in other people that may, may not even exist. You're going to worry about your job, your, your life, your, um, you know, your relationships, all of these things you're going to worry about because of an obscure, you can't do anything with that feedback criticism. When you get shitty criticism, when you get shitty feedback, I, my best advice to you is to say, was that specific? Was it something that I can fix because I understand it? And if the answer is no, then I want you to take it into a little ball, smash it, and just stomp on it, throw it away. And when your manager gets upset with you and says, why haven't you improved the behavior? Why haven't you improved this situation? 
you can go back to them and say, you need to listen to Amy's podcast because you're not giving me very specific feedback and what you're giving me is obscure and it's clouded and I can't do anything about that. So um, just have them listen to this podcast and hopefully that will clarify. So let's talk about that veterinarian example that I talked about in the beginning of the podcast, where unfortunately they said, you know, clients are really struggling with you. <laughs> Again, what is the veterinarian supposed to do in this situation? We've got the most obscure, shitty feedback. We can't do anything with it. And so, of course, the doctor is just going to worry about, is it all clients? What's specific clients? How many complaints? Do I have bad Google reviews? Now they're probably going to stalk the Google reviews. They're probably going to search online to see if their name's been called out. And they're going to want to know specifics. So instead of giving that very terrible feedback to that particular doctor, it would be much better if, hey, do you have a minute? I'd like to talk to you. Okay, bring the doctor and say, I really just wanted to provide you some feedback on what clients are saying. And then go into some examples. You know, this client said that you were, they felt like you had a short temper. This one said that you just felt rushed. Can you tell me your experience with these clients? And let's dive into that in a little bit more detail. And before we ask the question, we're going to turn it back to us and we're going to say it's important that our clients have a really good experience here at the hospital because X, Y, and Z. It's also important that you have a really good experience with clients and we really want to make sure we're supporting both you and clients so that you are happy here and that our clients are happy here. So again, explaining the why I'm giving you feedback. Now the last part, we all remember what that is. We kick it back to the veterinarian and say, hey, I know this was a lot. Let's talk about this. How? Tell me your thoughts about this. Tell me about your experience with clients and let's dive into it. Now we're having a conversation and now this is where problems get solved. So it is really important, again, not just, hey, the clients are struggling with you. That is something that no one can do anything about. And so again, just a quick review before we end this podcast. I want you to stop giving shitty feedback. I want it to be specific, but I also want it to be productive. And it is imperative that we do it in this manner so that our employees, our loved ones, our family, our, our friends, whoever we're trying to give feedback to understands exactly the feedback that we're giving, but also we want to help them and we want to hear their opinion on the feedback that was given. This is so important. And managers specifically, this is really important for you because the most important thing that any employee needs from you is their trust, your trust. So it, when they have the trust of you, I trust this person providing feedback, they will go to the moon and back for you. But if you sit down and you just go off and give them obscure feedback, that completely violates the trust. And as such, they're just going to go out of your office and they're going to talk about you behind your back and they're going to go on a witch hunt as to why this feedback was given. And then this is where we have negativity and gossip and culture-based issues in our hospitals. So again, first step, get permission to give the feedback. And that's going to hopefully be a yes or no question. I have something I'd like to talk to you about. Is this a good time? So we want to go ahead and get permission for feedback. Second thing, be specific. Leave out the obscure words. Nobody needs all the flip-flaff. Take the emotions out of it and just put in the specifics. Medicine people, veterinary medicine people specifically, 
We love data. Everyone loves data. We like specifics as to what exactly we did wrong. You can leave names out, certainly, but you can certainly dive into stories, examples, or exact moments in time. The third part, why am I giving you this feedback? Because I care, right? But why do you care? And Why is it important not only for you, them, and the business? We have to figure out what the why is because sometimes we're giving feedback and the person's like, why do I care about this? Well, this is why I'm giving you this feedback because it's important to me and here's why it's important to me, right? So, and then the last part is, I want to hear what you think about this feedback. When we just leave it and we just go, hey, don't gossip. Thanks for this conversation. The employee left feeling very confused and angry. They leave your office and again, gossip, negativity, and culture-based issues. So those are the four key steps on providing good quality feedback. I want you to sear them into your brain, but more importantly, slow down when you deliver feedback. Write down things so that you don't miss these steps. Take these steps, post them on your wall so that you can refer to them. And it's okay to say an employee, I wrote some things down because I don't want to mess this up. There's nobody who's going to, you know, take points off of your manager point scale system. And again, if you have a culture-based point scale system, that's just weird and bizarre and I don't understand that. So probably don't do that. It does not make employees feel good when you literally give them a number on whether or not they fit in with your culture. That's weird. I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, everything else, write down, make sure that you go ahead and clearly communicate. And again, come with from a place of empathy and compassion. I hope this really helps you on your feedback delivering skills. Thank you for all that you do. Keep on being a unicorn. And please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. 